It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. What are we talking about? I don't know. I wasn't in that meeting, but I'm just assuming. Are all Toronto Blue Jays fans losers? You know what I'm going to become? A really, really obnoxious Bills fan. I got so passionate in that argument that I hit the mic with my hat. I cried like a little girl. <laughs> what is wrong with people? No, I'm saying I could have done what Speed does because I do that every time I golf. You're such a moron. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you because you're really creepy. Uh, more bacon. Everything is better with more bacon. Tom Brady wears Uggs. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can call Town & Country at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson and joining me are those guys, Darren Metzger and the show's producer, Zach Barletta. The website is btgprogram.com, and our social media handle is at btgprogram. I suspect each one of us can recall a time in our lives when you were being bullied. I don't know, maybe it was school, maybe it's even as an adult. Maybe a kinder way to put that is being pressured into doing something that instinctively you didn't want to do, or maybe even the other way around, being pressured to not do something that we felt was important to do. There are any number of ways that this happens. Of course, there's a threat of physical harm. There's subtle hints which may threaten your job or a chance for promotion. There's manipulation tactics ranging from simple turning the screws to complex schemes involving numbers of peoples and situations. And of course, there's many more, including the all too common, just making life miserable until they get what they want. And I kind of find myself frequently dealing with that last one. At least I should say a lot more than I want or or a lot more than I would think I would have to. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12, 18, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all, all men. Oftentimes in working with people, I find myself carefully choosing my battles because of the repercussions I'd, you know, I'd be forced to live with if I chose to confront somebody. Is this worth it? Is it really worth bringing it up? I'm not talking about a major stance. I'm talking about evaluating how important is winning this small little debate with somebody who is going to be resentful mm-hmm. from that point forward. Unlike the corporate world and ministry, often you're working with volunteers, which makes it so much harder. And God bless them for their willingness to serve, but sometimes they're so attached to the traditional, uh, just to traditions themselves, I guess, or a hardened mindset that you know, change is is just inconceivable to to them. And sometimes I think it would be great to just fire certain volunteers and just start (laughs) over. There's just no way that we could keep you on. I don't even really work here. (laughs) That's what makes this so difficult. I know in certain situations you can remove a volunteer or someone who seems to be fighting against you, but oftentimes you really have to take a lot of 
garbage for the sake of a relationship. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, for the benefit of the ministry, you just sort of sit there and, and take some stuff in the name of fellowship, in the name of brotherhood. Yeah, I do it with you all the time. Yeah, you have to do that <laughs> because, you know, there are people involved. And the bottom line is that people are the most important thing, unless you're the NFL. The NFL <laughs> is a bully. I wondered where this was going. It has been for years. Just take the Tom Brady situation. And I know you guys are rabid Bill fans. And regardless of whether or not you like Tom Brady or you like the New England Patriots or whether or not you think he's guilty of deflating footballs, the league's penalty for tampering with equipment is a $25,000 fine. His four games is way too harsh. Yeah, yeah, the NFL is suspending him four games, and it cost him thousands of dollars in legal fees. That kind of suspension is is unheard of for an alleged crime like that. The NFL is making life miserable for the Patriots because they didn't make them suffer enough after the Spygate controversy. And now the league is threatening to suspend indefinitely four players should they refuse to discuss details of an allegation reported in a bankrupt two-bit organization who (laughs) fancies themselves a legitimate news outlet. How can they even do that? Among those players is one of the league's most popular players, the Packers' Clay Matthews. Teammates Julius Peppers and Steelers linebacker James Harrison are also being pressured, as is free agent Mike Neal. The NFL has absolutely no positive drug tests on any of these guys. They're simply responding to a report by Al Jazeera and bullying the players to cooperate with their investigation. Are you kidding me? Do you think the players are going to trust Roger Goodell in the league's front office? No. No, I'm not sure there's been this level of distrust between a league commissioner and its players since the days of Bowie Kuhn and Marvin Miller. Yes, the league should, of course, do whatever it can to clear the game of PEDs, but it doesn't have the right to bully its people into, into its efforts to do it. The NFL is acting on an allegation by Al Jazeera, not a result of its own testing a report in which the primary source for Al Jazeera has since recanted his accusation. I'm all for the league asking the players if they can discuss it. But it cannot throw its weight around like some heavy-handed school monitor who's looking to remind everyone that they're in charge. It'd be better to, to side with your own people, your own players, and ask to discuss the matter so you can tear down what would be a baseless allegation or perhaps even questionable and irresponsible reporting. And while the commissioner's office can make its request, if the players don't trust they will they will get a fair treatment in, from that interview, then the league may need to swallow a little of its pride and meet under the players' terms. And the Players Association seems to rightfully be arguing that the league does not have the right to force players to cooperate in an investigation unless it has credible evidence. And the league doesn't have any. The league has no evidence other than an accusation by Al Jazeera. The, me- the league, meanwhile, is countering by saying the interviews are determined are needed to determine if there's any credible evidence. So basically, they're, they, what they're looking for is the players to incriminate themselves. Mm-hmm. If there is some evidence somewhere, they want to get it from the, from the players. No wonder they don't trust Goodell. That's not how the American system is supposed to work. The burden of Proof is not on the accused. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. I applaud James Harrison. I support him. I respect his common sense approach to this situation. How often have you heard that said about James Harrison? (laughs) That's the first. 
Harrison told reporters this week that he's willing to be interviewed by the league, but that he is frustrated with how the league has proceeded so far. The guy wants to be treated with respect and dignity. He wants to be treated as a partner in the league's fight against PEDs. He doesn't want to be threatened, doesn't want to be manipulated and forced into a situation where uh, where he's with people he already doesn't trust. The NFL needs to reevaluate its practices, needs to reevaluate its leadership tactics. The players should be able to feel safe in their work environment, and there needs to be some system of checks and balances that allow them to feel that way. In my opinion, this really isn't about PEDs. Does the NFL really care about an allegation made by Al Jazeera? Will they act similarly on any public allegation, whether regardless of who it's from? Maybe Darren says something on this radio program, and is the NFL going to act on it? Of course not. But on the heels of its victory over Brady, the league and the commissioner wants to put itself in a position where a player would not dare to question its authority. We're talking about a basic American freedom here, people. Are you stupid or something? Stupid is stupid does, sir. I guess there's no sense being stupid if you're not going to show people, right? <laughs> a public address operator for the Chicago Cubs went out of his way oh. to show people this week how <laughs> stupid he was. He was promptly fired by the Cubs after playing a song about domestic violence as closer Aroldis Chapman was walking off the mound Sunday night. Of course they play it when he's on the mound. The Cubs say they did not intentionally play the song and that the song selection was simply an oversight. There's no way not, this was an oversight. Not that song. Maybe the team itself had no part in the decision to play the song, but there's no way this DJ who played that song wasn't doing it intentionally. I don't know if he thought it was funny, if perhaps maybe he was doing it on a dare, if he had some sort of axe to grind, but to play it at all, especially with Chapman on the mound. By the way, it happened to be on national TV that night during ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. They happened to be playing the rival St. Louis Cardinals, which will draw an audience. This was no oversight. Mm -mm. The song was called Smack My Bee Up by The Prodigy. It was controversial back when it was released in 1997. The guy had to go back and search for a song almost 20 years old. That wasn't intentional? Come on. The song was banned by the BBC at the time, and the explicit video for the song was banned by MTV. If MTV is banning a video, you know it's got to be pretty racy. Yet in 1998, that song went as high as number 89 on the Billboard chart. What is wrong with some of you people? There is never an appropriate time to play a song like that. The fact that it was when Chapman was coming off the mound is irrelevant, though it does make it uh, even more especially unfortunate, I suppose. You can give me the whole freedom of speech thing, and I think, I, you know, I agree, obviously. But there's a responsibility that comes with freedom, as it does with most any other freedom. Just because you can say something doesn't mean you should. And if there was no public support, regardless of how minimal it may be, if there was no support for such distasteful speech, there'd be no no opportunity to put out that kind of record. I know o over the years many things have been recorded which maybe ought not to have been, but you mean to tell me like that some show. record executive thought this was appropriate and gave it a green light to produce it? That's just shameful. Now, I'm not going all Clint Eastwood here and telling you to get off my lawn, but if this public address DJ for the Cubs didn't think it would get a few giggles from the people, he'd have never played it. 
The more society allows in the name of tolerance and out of fear of offending someone, well, then the more irresponsible and ignorant portion of people will try to see just how far they push that line towards full degradation. Don't your parents, didn't your parents ever tell you not to laugh at someone that you'd only be encouraging them? Well, that's what this is all about. And Christian, let me suggest right now to you that we need to be aware of what we laugh at, what we watch, and what we listen to. When we giggle at things that are in direct contrast to the Word of God, we are indirectly showing our support for these things. Our tolerance for the offensive allows the offensive to be emboldened. Good for the Cubs for showing this guy the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. This was an act so blatantly disrespectful, so disobedient, that it's worthy of termination with no chance of being rehired. Sure, it can be discussed and forgiven, but there should be no way, no opportunity to ever work for the Cubs again. Well, there you have some opening thoughts for me, guys. Uh, let me give you a chance to respond and tell me, what did I get wrong? Going back to the NFL, you didn't get anything wrong. I, I completely stand with you on that. But are you surprised that the NFL is acting the way they are? I mean, look at the scoreboard when it comes to the NFL disciplining players. People will take it. Look at Tom Brady. Took it all the way to the court system. Almost took it all the way to the Supreme Court. And the courts ruled in favor of the NFL, saying that they have the power to act the way they do. So who's going to stop them? If the courts aren't doing it, how, how are you surprised they're, that they're doing this? They're not going to stop. They're going to continue to bully their players until something as drastic as, say, a player lockout or something like that happens. I think that's probably why we're seeing them come down so hard as well, is that they've got to get a win somewhere. You know, they suspended Brady last year and it got overturned and it was egg on their face, and they have to get a win somewhere they for got public the win. relations. They got, they got Brady suspended for Yeah, four they games. got their win, but now that what they're trying to do is make sure they're never questioned again. Yeah, they want yeah. to put themselves in such a power. They're, that's why they're spending the money they are. It's ugly. Uh, to make sure they get their way. What you were saying about it, Benson, gave me an idea. I think what I'm going to do is call the National Enquirer and tell them, hey, I have information that says every Patriots player used PEDs and deflated <laughs> footballs. And then the NFL will have to call all of them in for interviews or they'll be suspended because that's basically what's happening here. we got a lot more coming up for you on today's program. we got some Olympic stuff to talk about, quite a bit of it, in fact. I hope you'll stick around. Spend the rest of the hour with us. Beyond the Game program is brought to you by Town & Country. Pest Solutions. Title sponsor Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that is nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of renting your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart, and I get all sorts of critters, but unlike swimmers not named Michael Phelps, they have an answer to beat their competition and rid your home of pest problems. They are a gold medal caliber company. Was that lame? Yes, I admit it. And I kind of hate myself for saying it, but I don't hate myself for calling Town & Country Pest Solutions. They really are the best, and they guarantee their work. Did I mention they're the best? So save yourself more of a headache and money and call them first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town & Country will do it right the first time every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that 3 is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. 
Ram Sports Network, Christian Sports Television. That's right, Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from peewee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Thanks for being with us. This is the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. I love it when product manufacturers rival one another so fiercely. You know, the soda wars, maybe the burger wars, McDonald's versus Burger King. McDonald's wins that every time. Under Armour will be hosting its Elite 24 basketball game later today in New York City. This is Under Armour's premier event to showcase top high school basketball talent and sign that talent to deals to wear and promote their products. Last year, Nike countered by offering its players an all-expenses trip to the Bahamas. <laughs> because the Elite 24 game will be broadcast by ESPNU, this year Nike is further upping the ante in order to keep players from wearing Under Armour gear on national TV. This year, Nike has offered to take them to the White House before they head to the Bahamas again to play the, the Bahamian national team. Here's what happens. You're familiar with AAU basketball. Mm-hmm. Kids who want to continue growing in the game, they play in AAU basketball. And many of those high school level leagues are sponsored by either Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. And players pick a league, and they play in and obviously wear in their gear, and they play in that one league for the entire season. However, when it comes to the All-Star Games, such as this Elite 24, Nike has a hoops summit, I think they call it. The companies rival one another to recruit players to their game to wear their gear and try to pull them away from the other guy so they're not, consequently, wearing their gear. I think Michael Jordan brand has a league also. Wouldn't that be Nike? Yeah, there are, it's under Nike. So maybe Mikey, Nike has to. I don't know how this fits under NCAA eligibility. I don't know. Also, I don't know why anyone would choose Under Armour shoes over Nike shoes anyway. I'd look at Under Armour shoes as dad shoes. I like their clothing, and their Under Armour is actually really nice, but why their shoes? I don't like them. This is a bit of an odd and fluid story, that of Olympic swimmer Ryan Lockie. Oh, Since the beginning, details of this crazy account seem a bit sketchy and uncertain as they seem to change as more information is learned. Initial reports were that Lockie, at least according to his mom, was robbed at gunpoint over the weekend in Rio along with at least one of his teammates. However, shortly after those very early reports came word from his coach, came word from the U.S. Olympic Committee and even Lochte himself that the report was false. Now there's supposedly a video which purportedly shows one of the swimmers breaking down a gas station door in a fight with a security guard. Lochte and um, Fagan have now been officially charged with false reporting of a crime, I guess it is. Which I don't know why that matters for Lochte. He's in America. I almost hesitated bringing this story up because it gets weirder every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's likely going to be more details that come out between the time we record this and the time it airs. In an interview with USA Today Sports on Tuesday, Lochte then said he was, in fact, robbed. 
but he didn't tell the U.S. Olympic Committee because he's afraid he was afraid to get in trouble. Why don't people ever think about this beforehand? If you're going to be someplace where you would not want to be caught, then don't go. <laughs> if you don't want to be seen at such a late hour, get home earlier. I mean, come on, this isn't rocket science. It's called self-discipline. Surveillance footage shows the swimmers arriving back at the Olympic Village just before 7 a.m. Listen, as I've said before, nothing good happens after 11 o'clock at night. Nothing good. Ha- nothing positive happens after 11 p.m. And I know you all think it's midnight. I know you all think that saying is nothing good happens after midnight. But it's really <laughs> 11. And that gives you an hour or so to get home. Nothing good happens. What part, by the way, of being drunk in a foreign country, a a country that has a reputed crime problem, during the wee hours of the morning seems like a good idea? No, it seems like a pretty poor idea. It's a terrible idea. It's a stupid idea. Get back where you belong, fool. You know what I'm most amazed at, though? The Brazilian police, Rio police, whatever, who are notoriously known for being incredibly inept at stopping actual crime, have gone full Sherlock Holmes in figuring this one out. Like, this amazes me. Well, maybe if they worked this hard the rest well, yeah, of the time, their crime numbers would drop. Well, no. they don't need any help from this clown giving false accusations <laughs> of even more. they got enough trouble as it is. And once again, alcohol is involved. You guys, not, and I don't mean you too, but you people keep telling me that alcohol is not the problem, that you can handle your social drinking. Keep telling me how you know when to stop and you know when you're about to be buzzed. You'll, of course, excuse me if I think you're full of it. You're just trying to justify something you know is a potential problem. If you You are in Brazil at 3 in the morning, drinking, stumbling your way home, you have a problem. Uh, you, You know what? The time you think you're about to be buzzed and you think, oh, I know when to stop, The time you think you're about to be buzzed is right after you caught that buzz. Perhaps Lockie and his friends did not set out to stay that late, but with each additional bit of alcohol that you take in, you give up a little bit more of your ability to make good judgments. Maybe he he intended well. Just going to go out for a little bit, have a little fun. One thing led to the next thing you know. He's stumbling home at 7 in the morning, getting in fights at a gas station with a with a security guard, and I don't know if it was him or one of the other swimmers. He claims they were in a taxi, got pulled over by some people who were impersonating a police officer, and I'm not sure if they were stopped in a traffic light or uh, something. He claims they were pulled over by guys with badges, but no police lights or anything else, just badges. Why would you pull over? I mean, if the guy says, why why would you pull? We've seen this sort of thing on missions trips in the Dominican Republic where guys with guns have set up a checkpoint. Fortunately, the hosts that we were traveling with, they didn't stop. We blow right through. You know, just just don't stop. Actually, I think those guys might actually have been Dominican police officers. But <laughs> it's hard to tell. I've heard of stories where people do stop and end up getting relieved of their money and their valuables. Lockie said his story was this. They pulled out their guns. They told the other swimmers to get down on the ground. They got down on the ground, and this is the great part. I refused. I was like, we didn't do anything wrong, so I'm not getting down on the ground. The guy pulled out his gun. He cocked it, put it to my forehead, and said, get down, and I put my hands up. I was like, whatever. He took our money. He took my wallet. He left my 
cell phone. He left my credentials. It just seems... It's really fishy. You know, right from the beginning, that just seemed see, fishy. I, I believed it at the very beginning. I'm like, oh, Rio's going to Rio. Like, it made sense to me. Like, who could it's make? It's easy up- for me to say it now. Yeah. I never did. See, you know, who could make up a story like that? Well, obviously, Ryan Lochte couldn't. But like, <laughs> I didn't think anyone could. Would just that was a pretty in depth lie right there. Like, I believed it at first, but some of it just I don't know. You just get a sense, man. There's there's holes in there, and obviously the the police in Rio they said the swimmers were unable to provide key details about the incident. And then well, I guess some of the other swimmers that were like in the back seat or whatever totally blew Lochte in. Can well, we yeah, all just I, agree that what happened here is Ryan Lochte's mom at 32, still running his life, asked him what they did, and he didn't want to tell him tell her, so he made up a story and it caused an international incident, lying to his mom. What Once he got home, his dad says, you know, of course, he's going to defend his son. Most dads would. Why would anybody fabricate anything? It's just ridiculous. Why would they make something up? I'll tell you why. To cover up something they did which they knew they ought not to have done. Mm-hmm. That's why they'll make something up. It's our very sinful nature that causes us to do that. Don't believe me? Have you ever confronted your young son, son or daughter about some way they misbehaved? The child's not even two years old, and they're lying about things they did or did not do. Oh, yeah. They make stories up of some monster who came in and took their crayons to write all over the wall. Or blame it on their sibling. <laughs> Whatever. They are lying before they're two. They're making stuff up. Why? To avoid getting in trouble. You know, we'd all agree that to lie in order to cover your tracks is a sin. And I'm not saying Lochte is lying, but it sure seems as though he is. The story has some elements to it since the beginning that caused you to scratch your head. Maybe it did happen exactly the way Lochte says it did. My point is that that does not release him from responsibility in the matter. Perhaps it only serves to further implicate him because, as I say, what in the world were you thinking being out at that stupid hour? Of course, I agree. You should be able to without fear or concern, but you can't. I think you should be able to eat ice cream several times a day without gaining weight, but you can't. Lochte readily admits not telling the U.S. Olympic Committee about what happened because he was afraid of getting in trouble. Why? Because he knows he was doing something that he should not have been doing. The Bible tells us in James 4:17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. As I already said, I want to be careful about Simon knows I'm condemning Lochte for lying. I really have no idea. I'm just going by the reports y'all are going to, and we all are suspicious at this point. Reminds me a lot, though, of, remember Robert Allenby's story at the Sony Open in Hawaii last year? Gave that account of being drugged, kidnapped, robbed, posted photos to Facebook of his head, you know, his face all cut and swollen. His caddy, a former caddy, said that the whole thing was a lie. I don't know if they ever ended up proving or disproving it, but uh, there's a guy, though, by the way, Allenby, I mean, that he needs to get his life together. Yeah. He was arrested just this past Saturday morning outside a casino in Illinois after missing the cut in yet another golf tournament. He was charged with disorderly conduct and criminal trespassing, busted somewhere around 2.30 in the morning. Well, it goes proving your theory again. Yeah, if you've been drugged, kidnapped, and robbed, maybe you'd avoid being out in seedy places at ridiculous hours. 
you know, nothing good happens. Alan B., according to the Golf Channel, has now missed the cut in 34 of 41 events since that incident in Hawaii. That includes 20 of 22 this season alone. He's nothing if not consistent. Or get better at golf. You know what the underlying problem in these situations is? And it's no surprise. It's our pride. For Allenby, he figures he can control the situation enough. Regardless of what did or did not happen in Hawaii, it's not going to happen here. I'm in Illinois. He, he figures he's in full control. For Lochte and others, despite knowing what we ought to do, we have something inside us that says, do it anyway. You're in control. You deserve to have a good time. Don't let them tell you you shouldn't be doing this. In that fourth chapter of James, James is dealing with that very issue. He's instructing us to submit ourselves to God, to draw near to God, to resist the devil, to humble ourselves. You see that throughout the chapter. And bringing this a little closer to home, he makes it a point to not only address direct defiance of God's ways, but he also addresses what many of us who call ourselves believers in Christ tend to do. And that's to willfully choose not to do what is clearly God's will. The arrogance we take when we basically tell God that we know better, that we will do things the way we want to do them. James tells us to humble ourselves, submit to God. And in verse 15, that we ought to say that if if this be God's will, then this is what I'm going to do. And he connects it all to verse 17 and concludes when he says, Therefore, therefore, if you know all those things, if you are humbling yourself and you are submitting yourself to God, he's talking directly to the people that know the right thing to do. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So let me ask you, Christian, before we condemn Ryan Lochte for his drunkenness, for his disobedience of the rules, for the for lying, if, if indeed that's what happened, Before you condemn that young believer for the way they dress or the teenager for texting during church or condemning somebody because they have a tattoo, maybe could you be refusing to do something that God has asked you to do? Luke 12, 47, Jesus teaches a parable about a faithful steward compared to one who fails to do his master's will. That verse says this, And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. Knowing what God's will is and knowing what is the right thing to do is a good thing. As a believer, it's a good place to be in your spiritual walk. But if you leave it there and you don't act upon it, then it's no different than getting drunk or staying out after curfew. Not doing what you know is the right thing to do is no less sinful than cheating on your spouse. So many believers are good at knowing what the Bible says and playing the part on a Sunday morning. They Basically, they can talk to talk, but when it comes to walking the walk and actually doing what God says, that's where they fail. How are you doing? How are you doing at loving your neighbor? How are you doing at considering others more highly than yourself? How are you doing when it comes to giving faithfully to God's church? True faith is living dependently on God, knowing that what he asks of us is nothing more than our reasonable service. May it be said that our greatest pleasure in life is to be fully yielded to God's will for our life. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. 
family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. Your aura brims with confidence. The Name Your Price tool has given you policy options based on your budget. A source of great power rises from within, like a Tyrannosaurus Rex that can shoot dragons out of its eyes, riding on a tank. Get insurance based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Beyond the game, talking sports from a different point of view. Barry Bonds never took steroids. It's a faith-based sports radio program. Don't ruin it by being an idiot. Highlighting the stories and the people of faith. Have a high moral standard. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. How silly can you get? You want to heckle blind people? That would make me soil my pants. Dude, wow. Welcome back to the show, recording in the BTG Studios in Rochester, New York. Here is your host, Rick Benson. So you got to wonder, did they or didn't they? And does it matter? Adele told the crowd at a concert last week that she will not be doing the Pepsi halftime show at Super Bowl 51, even though she had been offered the gig. But both the NFL and Pepsi have denied making such an offer to Adele, although they acknowledge they did have conversations about it. She's quoted as saying that the show, the show's not about music. And though they were very kind in asking, she said no, since she can't dance or anything anyhow. I think we all win <laughs> with her not doing the half. Please no, Adele. I thought you liked her. No, I can't stand her. That stupid hello song. If I hear it one more time, I'm jumping off a cliff. I hate those halftime shows. They're you terrible. guys know that. I, you know I yeah. hate those. Well, she right. was right. They're not about the music. They're, They're right. about light shows yeah. and dancing and wardrobe malfunctions. Apparently having the same hip-hop artist back year after year to guest <laughs> sing. Those pregame concerts, those elaborate halftime shows are for one thing, to bring in viewers and fans who are not otherwise interested in football. The ones that like the halftime show are the ones that watch for the commercials. Yeah, I'm a sports fan. I'm there for the game. And while these things are going on, I find myself thinking that they should get off the field before they end up tearing the turf. Mm-hmm. Get off the grass. <laughs> get off my lawn. I honestly, I, I can't say I'm a big Adele fan. I'm, I'm not even that familiar with her music. But from what I know, I mean, would she really have been that good a fit? She makes a point. Is she uh, dancing? No. Is she uh, Her big... songs are mostly ballads. It would be a really weird fit. Is there somebody you would like to see do the halftime show? Actually, let me put it this way. Is there someone that if they did the show, the halftime show at Super Bowl 51, it would make you stay tuned to watch it? Is there somebody that would make you, that it would become must-see TV? I've never thought of that. That's actually a really good question. There's a lot of bands I would love to see, but I think they're bands that not a lot of other people would be excited about. Maybe if they brought back somebody, like, in sync, you know, like what? all four original I'd tune Beatles. In for sync, yeah. <laughs> okay. You you yeah. get all yeah. four original Beatles. I'm going to tune in to see that. So that's that's like, going to be interesting. That, that's your generation's In Sync. I could I could see. Oh it. no, <laughs> no, that, they're a boy no. band. Oh stop. Oh, I tune. I can't believe I'm saying this on on the radio, but 
yeah, I might watch NSYNC. That'd bring me back to the old days. That'd be kind of cool. Oh yeah, a bunch of 35 or 40-year-old guys with chin-strap beards. Trying to, to dance. Yeah. As oh, I thought about that, the only one I could think of, I would, I think, and you guys aren't going to be on board with this, but if they brought ABBA in to do that, you know, that would be something that would make me. They haven't sang together in years. Actually, I think a couple months ago they were actually on a stage together, but Agnetha, the one singer, she she's in Sweden. The band is from Sweden. She's not getting on a plane. That's what part of why they broke up. So if you can get her to Houston, Texas, and the rest of that, I'd tune in to see that. That would be one that I think I could see. But should the fact that the game is in Houston, as I just said, should that make a difference of who performs? Maybe you should get ZZ Top and George Strait or something like that. I would watch ZZ Top. And well, I'd watch yeah, George cool. Strait. I would like either get them both. Like, I think you should definitely get an artist that has something to do with that state, maybe that city. If you yeah, could find some sense. kind of a cool like duet where it's ZZ Top and George Strait doing something together, that'd be interesting. Then get Taylor Swift in there. Benson's mind blows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be your your ideal halftime show, right? T-Swizzle? With ZZ Top and George Strait? <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be texting <laughs> us like a 15-year-old girl, OMG, are you watching this? All right, Zach, let, let's get into this week's shenanigans. All right, Prince Fielder retired from baseball last week due to chronic neck problems. We've seen multiple heavier guys like Fielder, Pablo Sandoval, suffer injuries and diminished production at a younger-than-expected age, so truth or shenanigans, if you were an MLB general manager, you'd avoid signing heftier players. I agree, yeah. Unless, of course, his name is Bartolo Colon. You know, <laughs> obviously it's no secret that Extra, extra weight puts additional stress on the body. Like any employer who looks for specific characteristics in an employee, if you're employing somebody to be on your sports team, if you are employing an athlete, then I think it only makes sense to take extra precautions when it comes to a, to a chubster. <laughs> <laughs> I actually say shenanigans, but it would deter me from signing them long term. Like, you saw some great seasons out of Prince Fielder. Mm-hmm. You saw some great seasons out of guys like Mo Vaughn. You even saw some good seasons out of Pablo Sandoval. Bartolo Colon still somehow having good seasons, despite being rather large. So, no, I wouldn't avoid signing them, but I'd look very, very hard at, you know, how, how are they progressing, where is their, has their arc happened, has their peak happened yet, and I wouldn't sign them long term. Well, Darren basically stole my answer. My answer is shenanigans also. We've seen plenty of guys who play at a high level despite being overweight type of guys. I Like Darren said, sign them, get their peak years, and then trade them or let someone else overpay them. Don't keep them around long term. But I say shenanigans. They're fine. And there probably is, you know, when they're younger, that it's probably a safer bet than Mm -hmm. when they get older, obviously. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Toronto Blue Jays pitcher Jay Happ is going to win the AL Cy Young Award. I think yes, if you're saying he's going to win it, but if you're asking who should, I don't think it should be him. I think it should be Zach Britton of the Orioles. I I know he's a reliever. I know he's only pitched 50 innings so far, but he's got a whip that's under one. He's given up 25 hits and 16 walks. I think he struck out 59 or something like that in the 50 innings he's pitched. He's been phenomenal. He's been the best pitcher that the Orioles have, probably one of the best players. I mean, the Orioles are, honestly, if you go look at the team rankings and their team stats, they're a middle-of-the-road to a below-average baseball team that's fighting for the American League East right now. And you got to give major props to Zach Britton 
because he absolutely shuts the door, doesn't allow runners. So I think Zach Britton should win it, despite being a reliever. And he has an elite first name. Uh, did there. <laughs> I really wanted to say shenanigans on this one, but I just can't. I, I think I have to agree that Jay Happ's going to win it because there's really no overwhelmingly dominant pitchers in the AL this year, except for Zach Britton. Zach Britton, I actually had in my answer before Darren brought him up, He's been ridiculously dominant. I just think don't think they can give the Cy Young to a guy who's going to throw 60 or 65 innings on the year. Hap leads all baseball and wins. He's got an ERA right around three, and he's on a team that's probably going to make the playoffs. And the way this season has panned out, that's probably enough to get him a Cy Young. I say shenanigans. And I say that only because I have no idea who will win, and neither does anybody else. <laughs> There's like six guys that have a legitimate shot at it. So I figure the chances of him not winning it have to be greater than the chances of him actually winning it. So shenanigans. That's science. I think if I had to go out on a limb, I'd probably go with Corey Kluber. But um, there's a lot of guys in contention. With all the starters, though, they're all pretty. Their ERAs are around three or higher. No one's super dominant to me. I don't yeah, think... no, I, your case about Zach Britton is well taken, but I, I, they're not going to give it to a reliever. No. I wish they would. If Mariano Rivera didn't get one, no reliever should ever get one, right? That's Do right. we all agree on this? That's right. All right. San Diego Chargers top draft pick Joey Bosa is embroiled in a public contract dispute with the team. As an unproven rookie, he should just sign his contract and show up to camp. Absolutely not. Shenanigans. It's mm-hmm. easy to criticize Bosa for not signing to label him selfish, but a career in the NFL is both short and risky. Mm-hmm. Get yours. I can't fault a player for wanting to get what he's due, and I can't fault him for not wanting to play for the San Diego Chargers. On top of that, <laughs> it's not the first but, one. I, obviously, just kidding. The crazy thing: this isn't really about money. No, this it's isn't not. about it, it, rookie contracts. Are practically so pre-established that you're paid based on the position you were drafted in. Mm-hmm. This is about offsets. And bonus payments, and the Chargers want both in their favor, and that's unreasonable. And according to reports, Bosa seems willing to concede one in exchange for the other, which, by the way, is common, mm-hmm. and yet the Chargers are trying to get both in their favor. So I say shenanigans. I'm with Bosa. I say shenanigans as well. I agree with everything Benson said. If this was any sport but football, I might say, hey, rookie, sign your deal and get to playing. But this is the NFL. Your career could be done after one play. I mean, injuries in this sport are not just likely. They are going to happen. It's a guarantee. So, man, get your money while you can because who knows how long your career is going to be. I agree with you guys. I say shenanigans as well. From what I've read, the basic essence of this is that, like Benson said, they're talking about when are the bonuses paid, not so much will they pay the bonuses, but... When you have a team official talking to the media about, well, if we give him what he wants, that gives him incentive to play badly in his fourth year so that we release him and then he gets paid by us and another team at the same time. Look, you can't say stuff like that about a guy that you just drafted. To talk to the media that you have concerns about him playing badly so you'll release him and he can get a new deal. If you don't trust the guy at all, you shouldn't have drafted him number three overall. You're morons. The San Diego Chargers are morons. Joey Bosa's in the right. Well, that's not breaking news. But. <laughs> I, I don't like incentives and in contracts anyway. Like you look at someone like Coco Crisp right now. I think he has to play 130 games or something this year for the Athletics, mm-hmm. and he gets $13 million more million. 
they're not going to play him in 130 games. They're just not going to do it. Yeah, like that bothers me if, that a team can do that. They put an incentive in there for you to play well and perform, and if you do, all of a sudden they take your playing time away. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just me getting on a soapbox here. Guys, but. guys hitting 330, he's going to get his at bats. If he can you, help gonna... the team win, they're going to put him in the lineup. Now I agree with what you're saying mm-hmm. that they're they're going to restrict his at bats. They're not going to get him in the game. But if you are playing at such a level that you force their hand. Well, the incentives yeah. are a good thing. Now, they just traded Josh Reddick at the deadline, so there's a bats to be had in the outfield now. We'll see how it shakes out. But In 2005, the Yankees were a middling team until they shook things up by calling up Robinson Cano and Chin Ming Wong and starting them right away. They would end up winning the AL East. This year's Yankees team is getting a similar spark from guys like Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez, as the Yankees have been on a tear since being sellers at the trade deadline. Truth or shenanigans? The Yankees can sneak into a wild card spot. <laughs> Thank you. There's just too many teams in front of them. You know, if they were chasing just one team, perhaps you can hope for that one team to take a nosedive while the Yankees play well. But man, you're chasing five or six teams. The likelihood of that, them all taking a no, nosedive, mm. it, it's not going to happen. No, I agree with Benson. Shenanigans. I would like them to sneak into a spot. But, I mean, yes, I've loved what I've seen out of Aaron Judge. And you got Tyler Austin hitting. Oh, and by the way, Gary Sanchez just That's on fun. Tear. You know, this is oh, fun yeah. to watch. I would love to see You guys have it. both said a number of times that you haven't watched as many Yankee games this year. No. Well, you've watched in the last week. Yeah, I've oh, watched watching a ton every day. of Yankees games now because this is exciting to see these young guys. But, again, they're young guys. Event, there's going to be some video scouting happening on them, and they're going to have their bumps and bruises. So, no. They're not going to continue this. They're not going to make the playoffs. Well, I'd love for this to be true. I have to say shenanigans. Gary Sanchez isn't Robinson Cano. Chad Green isn't Shin Ming Wong. These guys are very talented. They're must-see TV at this point. They're fun to watch. But they're still learning on the job. And like Darren said, once video of them gets around, things are going to change. They're going to have to make adjustments to the adjustments. Yankee fans need to be happy. We finally got the youth movement that we wanted. Let's just enjoy it and not put any extra pressure on these kids. All that said, just staying in contention is a good thing. Giving these guys Mm -hmm. the playoff run, uh, Mm -hmm. that experience, that stretch run experience, Mm -hmm. that may pay off down the line. Last but not least, there's an Olympic sport you could be a star in. Truth. Badminton. That game happens in slow motion. No way could I not dominate in badminton. I would be a gold medalist in badminton. I'm going to say handball. I actually had to look it up and watch, watch that? and watch footage of it. I watched footage online today to make sure that I was right about it. It, it looks like lacrosse with a bigger ball and no sticks or maybe water polo on land. I feel like I could hold my own in a sport where literally all you do is just wind up and chuck a ball past the goalie. <laughs> and by the way, in the section of game that I watched, there were zero saves made. Every shot scored. So I feel like <laughs> even if I couldn't throw the ball past, I could do as well as those goalies and just stand there and let the ball go past me. So I'm going to say I could <laughs> Shenanigans. be a star in hand. You, got, you guys are both nuts. The fact these guys sacrifice and what they have trained to get there, the arrogance... Uh, maybe it's even ignorance that you guys <laughs> think you could play at that level is beyond me. Uh, in fact, your statement didn't even say an Olympic sport you could play in. You said star in. So you guys are saying, oh, it's not a good, I'm not just going to be a player. I'm going to be a star. <laughs> Shenanigans. How You're both hard. a couple of idiots. You, you know, <laughs> unless they make Chinese buffet a sport. Oh, you I'm dominate. out, man. You I am dominate. out. I, I was thinking maybe handball, Zach. 
But the U.S. didn't even have a team, so I was thinking, well, I got a shot here. The U.S. <laughs> has no team. You look, you looked up the videos. Those guys are intense, man. And the badminton. It happens in slow motion. It is more. You cannot do that. Oh, give me, you are give not me three that lessons. Good. I will be Look, starring. I could definitely go to Rio and kick down a bathroom door. That I could definitely do. The ignorance and the arrogance you guys are showing <laughs> is just beyond me. We're going to take a break. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country. Pest Solutions. Title sponsor beyond the game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that is nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of ridding your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart, and I get all sorts of critters, but unlike swimmers not named Michael Phelps, they have an answer to beat their competition and rid your home of pest problems. They are a gold medal caliber company. Was that lame? Yes, I admit it. And I kind of hate myself for saying it, but I don't hate myself for calling Town & Country Pest Solutions. They really are the best, and they guarantee their work. Did I mention they're the best? So save yourself more of a headache and money and call them first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town & Country will do it right the first time every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that 3 is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Is here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian Sports TV channel with programming from Pee to the Pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, Western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at RamSportsNetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network. More than a game. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back to the show. Rick Benson, Darren Metzger, Zach Barletta joining you. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll have our Pest of the Week. And though she was not my final selection for Pest of the Week, Hope Solo of the U.S. women's soccer team was somebody I was considering. In fact, the only reason I didn't pick her was because I wanted to spend a little more time on it, uh, apart from the short bit we do during our Pest segment. The U.S. goalkeeper blasted Sweden after the U.S. lost to them on penalty kicks for playing like a bunch of cowards. Now, I'm sure she's still a little emotional after a difficult, disappointing loss. But with her comments, she comes off as a spoiled brat and a sore loser. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Obviously a very skilled player, but I would like to see the U.S. move on from her. 
cut her from oh, the yeah. team. She's been an embarrassment on a number of occasions and, and shows a repeated lack of class. That ought not to be how our athletes represent themselves on the world stage, whether it be in victory or defeat. Not only did she call the Swedish team a bunch of cowards for their style of play, but she also said that the best team did not win today. I strongly believe that. Well, that may very well be. In fact, the American women could probably play Sweden five times and would probably win four of them. But they didn't win this one. That's the excitement of a one-game winner-take-all scenario. Anything can happen. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think the Giants were the better team when they took out the undefeated New England Patriots in Super Bowl forty-six. Heck, I don't even think they were the better team when they beat the Bills in Super Bowl twenty-five. But they executed a better game plan in both games and came away world champions on both occasions. Perhaps after giving up two goals in a 2-2 draw against Colombia during these Olympics, including one embarrassing one right between her legs, maybe Solo should keep quiet and admit that the U.S. did not play like their typical dominant selves. But it's always easier to tear the other person down than to admit your own fault. Sweden didn't play dirty. There's no cheap shots of you know that are characteristic of cowardice play. What is she complaining about? She says they dropped off. They didn't want to play an open game. They didn't want to pass the ball. Didn't want to play great soccer. It was a combative game, a physical game, exactly what they wanted, exactly what their game plan was. Yeah, so what's the point? Sweden knew they weren't going to be able to outgun the Americans. They came up with a strategy to take the U.S. out of its element. It's called a good game plan. Mm -hmm. You do what you need to do to survive, and you don't have to apologize for it. You may not like that style of play, but you can't fault them for using it. Good for someone like teammate Alex Morgan, who, who in an interview with USA Today said she disagreed with Solo's views. She says, I saw her comments, but I feel like those opinions I, I don't share. She acknowledged that the defensive style which Sweden employed, is, it's not exactly exciting for fans. It's a take-the-air-out-of-the-ball type of strategy, which she says draws criticism from fans and frustration from opponents. You have to employ that in boxing and MMA and other combat sports. Really, it's wise in all sports. I'm sure the U.S. team actually does it, you know, despite being able to just overpower most of their opponents. But you evaluate your opponent's weaknesses and you look for ways to expose and exploit them. They played their cards right is what Morgan said, and she's right. They did. Sweden took the field with the intent to win the game. They had a strategy that they thought they would work, and it did. And as a result, the American team went home and hoped Solo didn't like it. You know what the Swedes did? They persevered. The Americans had more had a more powerful team, a more balanced team. They probably could light it up if they were able to execute their style of play, but the Swedish women threw a blanket over the ball and simply persevered until that final whistle. It's a really good lesson in battling sin and temptation, I think. We all have different weaknesses, things which trip us up. What you struggle with may not be a problem for me, vice versa. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. We should all spend time examining ourselves to know what it is we struggle with. Instead of complaining that life is unfair or that blaming everyone, and anyone else, we should identify how we get beat by temptation and develop a game plan to overcome it. Temptation is most definitely going to come. You're going to face it your entire life, but it doesn't have to beat you. 
you can persevere and you can live a victorious life. John MacArthur, I once, hold him, uh, once heard him tell a rather unfortunate story, really, about a dog, but the point is well taken. The dog's master used to put some meat out and then tell the dog not to eat it. Of course, the dog would run over eating it, so he'd hit the dog. Then he'd do it again and tell the dog not to eat it, and of course, the dog did the same thing, so he hits the dog. After a while, the dog got the message, eat the meat, get hit, and he learned not to eat the meat. The dog's master said that once he got it, the dog never looked at the meat. The dog seemed to know that if he looked at the meat, the temptation would be too great. So the dog kept his eyes steadfast on his master's face and never took his eyes off him. When we're faced with temptation, our game plan for victory should be to hold our gaze on the master. Keep our focus on Jesus. Remain steadfast in his word. We'll all come up with variables that work for our unique and individual battles against sin. But one common tactic that worked for all of us would be to keep our eyes on the Savior. Know yourself. Study yourself. Avoid tempting situations. Don't pull a Ryan Lochte or a Robert Allenby. Make a commitment to follow Christ and to persevere until victory. Anyway, she's not really my pest of the week, although she was in serious consideration. Let me give you my pest of the week. I'll remind you that the title sponsor of the Beyond the Game program is Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. Fearing nothing but God. In the week, there were so many to choose from. Hope Solo. I could have picked the Olympic boxing judges who were removed after what seems to be fixing matches. I could have picked the Egyptian judo player who refused to shake the hands with the Israeli who had just defeated him. But my pest of the week is the Toronto Blue Jays' Josh Donaldson. Yeah, I, I know. I probably went out of my way to find a Blue Jay to be my pest, but they make it so easy. During the, their, the Blue Jays' win over the Yankees on Wednesdays, last year's AL MVP threw his bat, slammed it into the dugout after striking out for the second time in the game. And, of course, manager John Gibbons, he didn't care for it. He confronts the player. I would imagine about getting somebody hurt, you know, throwing a bat like that, especially during a pennant race. Stupid tantrum. Uh, and, and all this, by the way, while the Blue Jays had the lead, player making it about himself instead of the team, Donaldson, though, wouldn't back down and, though, came, came right back at the manager. Teammates had to step in and keep him away from Gibbons. Donaldson even gave his catcher a shove while trying to get back at Gibbons. I get your frustration, especially when you've been in a slump, but you have to have enough brains to not get someone else hurt when by throwing a temper tantrum. And when your boss confronts you about that, you need to be respectful. You need to have a little humility. Josh Donaldson of the Toronto Blue Jays, you may be a fiery player. You may be somebody the home fans loves. But for me, you're just my pest of the week. My pest of the week, I, I could make it Ryan Lochte, that's, but that's too easy. My, my pest of the week relates to it, and it's the public that decided to call it Lochte Gate. You get a chance to do something real special here and call it Lock Mess. <laughs> but no, nah, you went with Lochte Gate, and we blew it. We blew it. Whoever came up with Lochte Gate, you blew it. You had a chance to be real special, come up with something pretty funny, and you blew it. So you're my Pest of the Week. My Pest of the Week is Yankees beat reporter Sweeney Murdy. He went off on WFAN in New York this week about how Bernie Williams is not part of a core five in the last Yankees dynasty. Let me tell you, Bernie Williams is absolutely part of that core, and in last weekend's tribute to the 96 team, Bernie Williams had probably the most clutch hits in that highlight reel of anyone. The Yankees don't win all those titles with a replacement-level center fielder, so Sweeney Murdy is my pest of the week. 
Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Townandcountrysolutions.com. Give them a call, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson and the guys sent you. For those guys, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back again together next week right here at this same time. Have a great week, everybody.